I warn you, I might want to talk about something I read on a site called MereOrthodoxy.com about why Tolkien was right in his fight with C.S. Lewis. So you have that to look oh forward to. <laughs> but you said we could go to bed early. Yeah, we'll, we'll go fast. Obviously. We always, we always do. The same words. I'll ruin your show. <laughs> A cast iron brains, a podcast that, with the revelation of massive and widespread aging by one of our co-hosts, working closely with time, inevitability, and the horrifying daily progression of the Earth around the sun, do you throw the alleged forward march of indefinite eternity out and just declare yourself young again? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all the rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent aging. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. Like a fine wine. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing, Lori? Happy birthday, Abe. Thanks. Tonight is December the 5th. It's a Monday, 2022. Abe, you got older over the weekend. Slightly older. 40 now. Jesus fucking Shut Christ. Up. Don't talk about it. You just say happy birthday and you move yeah. along. I did the inverse of my usual move. I texted Abe just after midnight. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> Instead of waiting until just before midnight. That means you like Abe more than day. everyone. That's not why. I just I knew that he knew my my ways from our discussions. So I wanted to throw him off. And he didn't respond. And he was largely out of touch for the entire weekend and not not much touch since. And I, as I was saying earlier, Abe, I, I get nervous. Like, legitimately, I start worrying about you when I don't hear from you for a few days after these big life events. Not that I don't... It's dumb that, because not you... Not that I don't think that you can handle yourself also, in Abe, great celebratory moments or anything like that. Abe, but mostly, not, I just don't think you can handle yourself in, but in those Abe, sorts like, of moments. But always goes out of touch for some period of time. Yes, that's why I know. I know that Abe is <laughs> want to... Sort of disappear off the but map. But he's always fine. Yes, until yes. he's not. Until <laughs> you know, birthday number, whatever, and then we're we'd all be sad. This uh, this never comforts my mother when I tell her this. But I'm like, nothing will ever happen to me. Like right. it'll be I fun. will never die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so far, so true. Forty years in, a hundred percent right. You know, well, still alive, still here. One of the many things you're constantly write about as as we begin to close the book on 2022 and jimmy carter breathes still <laughs> down the I'm street really from you in plains georgia counting the days but uh, on the out of contact thing like i realize oh, you, if know, I, you have to explain yourself no to no, me, no. Abe, just generally certainly. speaking if i if my habits change slightly it throws everything else off that's why like if i'm ever on trip or somewhere it's just like i don't know what to do like you know yeah. i'm recording from home most of the time i'm here i'll be in contact all the time when i'm here if i move like one door down 
I'm not doing the same thing. Also, brain... notably, it's to your credit because when you come visit us, it's not like you're dicking around on your phone the whole time. You're right. an engaged guest right. when you're here hanging out with us. I imagine. So when you go and you're like fucked off in Charlotte or you go to New York City or whatever it is that you and your friends do for your very, like everybody, all of your friends, they do these big dramatic things for their birthdays what? and you have to go out of town. <laughs> yes. Uh, and. I know how you people are. <laughs> it will get more uh, dramatic in 23, by the way. Right. There's, right. There's going to be a yacht or something, <laughs> right? And like a in... trip to Montreal or I'm a yeah. Yeah. Out of control. All for very important birthdays, obviously. Right. Uh, but wait, wait, it, it's like I said, it's to your credit that when you're doing something that is you're engaged with the thing that you're doing. And I obviously I shouldn't worry about it but you know right. it's just so, my mind my mind runs away in to terrible imaginary places with my children my my siblings and of course my my good friends as well so my my uh my birthday was sort of very low key we just mostly just spent watching sporting events and uh and a lot of people were visiting so I was hanging out with them all day so it was nice. fun very quiet big low day, key big day in sports on saturday fun sports weekend yes Less so Watch on Sunday. The, the U.S. and they shamefully lose to... It's not a shame. They just lose. Yeah, I guess it's it wasn't soccer. shameful. The it just shameful sucks. is the sport of soccer with the crying <laughs> and the boring. But losing it is just what it is. Yeah, but to the Dutch... All right, gold member. Don't play the laughing boy. <laughs> there are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch... What? Yeah, and they play lots of soccer. They've won. They won like eight years ago or ten or more numbers divisible by four probably years ago. Right? They're better Didn't at it than the Netherlands least. win yeah. Yeah. in like 2010? Yeah, I don't know. Is that right? 14? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I thought Italy and Germany and France, those are the ones that I remember. I don't remember the Netherlands. Maybe it was before then. How can you trust a country with three fucking names? I, I mean, <laughs> Did they no. give themselves that or other people call them? Yeah. I think, no, the Netherlands lost to Spain in 2010. I don't think I anybody... I don't even give a shit about soccer and I know that. <laughs> because I don't think anybody would call themselves the land of nether, right? Like, it's not right. a nice nickname. That's true. No, but their flag is red, white, and blue and they wear orange and how do you forget that? There's something else about their name where it, it like, because it, it's derivative of German or something, like, because we have different names for Germany too, like, because like Deutschland. The, Deutschland. Deutschland. And of course, calling them the Dutch and the, Do like, the, that's a oh, derivation yeah. of the yeah. Deutsch thing. So, it, I don't know, it's, it's all anyway, too complicated. Anyway, soccer's there's, boring. There's too Talk many about countries, something else. Too many countries over there in Europe. Man, I had a whole thing. I pre-wrote a whole opening to the show that I could not use because the USA lost. Oh. It was going to be uh, <laughs> singing the incredible virtues of our great experiment because, like, all of our all of our players, while they all have some claim, of course, to America in some important way, whether they right. were born here or they're they immigrated here with their parents or something along those lines. They're citizens. Right. Uh, they, they all have a, a claim to the, But all of the blood and soil shit doesn't like – we don't have to worry about any of that shit when it comes right. to the American soccer team because they all have like the – one of the better guys, he's the son of the current president of Liberia. Uh, there's, really? <laughs> yeah. It's very much a global team and it shows in the way that they play, which is like the, there's not a lot of coherence to the American game. Oh, you're still talking about – No. 
We are. We're still talking about soccer. Don't Uh-oh. raise your hand. <laughs> you. no, stop talking about <laughs> soccer. I was disappointed. My my gambling account was also disappointed because I I made the the bet with the heart. Uh, if you if you really want to see your gambling accounts soar, obviously you just bet you wish cast into the gambling account. You uh, hit your wagon to the Americans. Uh, did, was this part of a parlay and it, and it just busted immediately? One of those things, like the first thing of the Saturday sports slate. Yes, that, I mean my first Saturday because I had a like a weekend long parlay that included the Georgia football team and the USA soccer team. And then also the giants on Sunday, it was just going to be, I set up the goofy three-way parlay to just all three good outcomes only like just, just for fun. That didn't obviously that didn't work out (laughs) as if like before lunch on Saturday, Uh, (laughs) by the way, it was a, it was a, the the weekend, by the way, in the black for the weekend on the gambling app. So that's, that's good. Yeah, Georgia won. Uh, the just the last thing on the soccer. Uh, just I would imagine if people watch soccer a lot and they see the type of goals the U.S. gave up, it seems like that's way too easy. We're just going to kick it into the field of play, and somebody's just going to casually kick it into the net. It didn't seem like it was a very difficult challenge for the other team. It was very frustrating because the U.S. Is, spends like seventy percent of the time down in the attacking zone, and like it looks like pure chaos, and they can't create any space down there. And they they have a like they have a really good chance in the first two and a half minutes of that game where it comes off Pulisic's leg, not strong enough to be a legit shot, basically. But like there was a there was a right off the bat, it was like holy shit, yeah. we could have scored there, and then we're up one nothing, and then you just you don't know what happens. But like the whole rest of the time spent in the in the attack in the offensive zone was it just felt far too condensed and they were just much better positioned than we were and we couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't make anything work and then they immediately go down to the defensive end and the at the very first opportunity it's like a single perfect cross across the middle right. and it just right in and then they did it again, again? like 15 minutes later it's like <laughs> come on guys just way too easy Fortunately, the, for our parochial interests, the Georgia football team yes, yeah. ended up winning the SEC on Saturday, doing that. With lots of flair. For the first time since, what, 17? 17. And as, as stated on this show uh, months ago, uh, Stetson Bennett, Heisman finalist. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, that about? Congratulations, Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I mean, good for him. But yeah, that's what I was... Trying to run him out of town last year, and look at him. He's just failing. Yeah, I'm still trying to upwards. run him out of town. I mean, he looked good on Saturday. This is probably no, he sucks still. So this game and the Mississippi State game, I think, off the top of my head, those are his two best South games. South Carolina, Oregon. Those were fine, but I I remember like feeling like him truly getting the job done and not looking like a total bum in Mississippi State, and then also uh, this past Saturday, the the defense is. Very frustrating to watch, as yes. we've discussed before. They're practicing being behind. That's their strategy, is yeah. they practice sucking so that they don't have the thing that happened last year in the SEC championship where we got behind and didn't know what to do. They practice. They go a quarter or so where it's like, okay, let's suck and see yes. what happens, see if we can handle it when we suck, and then we can. Yeah. What's concerning is that the quarterback for LSU in the first quarter and for sort of much of the first half 
looked pretty solid. Like he wasn't missing his passes. And this is a guy who I've seen like overthrow a bunch of dudes throughout the year and, and not be particularly accurate. And then he comes into this game and he's just absolutely on the money for the first half of this football game. And I was like, man, we're in trouble. If this guy plays a full game like this, and then, uh, he didn't because he got hurt, and also he. Yeah, but then their backup was good. Just hard to maintain, but yeah, then their backup yeah. kept hitting fucking forty, fifty yard plays just over and over again, and it was just a, it was again, it was that question of if the if the opposing quarterback just hits his passes, yes. we're in huge trouble. Yeah. And yes. I know that sounds like very stupid and simple analysis. No, but as uh, evidenced, the quarterback was hitting their passes, and we weren't in huge trouble. We won by twenty points. Yeah, we kept we 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 kept pouring it on late. Every Everything's so fine. Good. Yeah, sure. Everything is fine. Uh, Georgia will play. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this in the next few weeks. But we have to play Ohio State in the uh, national semifinal, which that is was, uh, correctly placed on New the, Year's Eve. Yeah. What was that? There was, there was uh, some scheming with the, the final. Do you think that they deliberately? I don't think there was scheming at all. To avoid a semifinal? No, no Ohio because State? Ohio State still lost their last game. Right. Didn't even play in their conference. There was no good way to seed those. Yeah, that teams. was the problem. Is that one and two were obvious. You have Georgia. Yes. You have Michigan. And then what you had was you had USC lose on Friday night going into the weekend, so they were out of it. Yeah, or so they just presumably shifted. out yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. And then TCU ends up losing a nail biter uh, to a top to ten team. O- you know, to, to the a, yeah, that to matter. a yeah. ten or eleven team in the country, and yeah. then. Ohio State and then, didn't play. Ohio so State like, didn't play. Yeah, there's no they good didn't suddenly way. They get better than TCU right. because yeah. they A- didn't play. Alabama and Tennessee and Ohio State didn't play. And there's no good way. Like, I could not come up with a single rational no, justification for what to do at, at spots three and four. This makes enough sense. So right. they should have just canceled it. They should have had TCU <laughs> and Ohio State play on New, on New Year's Eve just for fun. And maybe just have us play in the national title game against Michigan a week later. That would have been fine, too. Were they not trying to move away from the New Year's Eve games and to do New Year's they Day? Flip, but it's... They flip them out. Okay. Can I, yeah, I think it it just, it's on a rotation now. I think it's perfect. I think yeah, the, New Year's Eve playoffs. The semifinal the games should be played no, on New Year's great, Eve. It's great, but it's always yeah. like a good chunk fewer viewers than New Year's Day where everybody's at. You know, like New Year's Eve, some people do other but things. But New Year's but Day like, they're not playing because of NFL. It's the NFL, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that is also a factor. It's, I think it's the factor. Anyway, do you have a prediction here? So we we don't have to worry about a Michigan-Ohio State rematch until potentially the national title game. Well, that's but not going to happen, yeah. We've got uh, TCU against Michigan in the 2-3 game, and then we are the nightcap, the 1-4 game, Georgia against an Ohio State University. Any ideas, uh, predictions for what's going to happen? So maybe it's because Georgia already won last year, but uh, throughout the game uh, on Saturday, I mean, we're out at some brewery just watching the game, and it was kind of a nice weather, so we're just kind of hanging outside. Uh, And so I was like, like, I'll watch the full game like tomorrow, but at no point was I like concerned. And this lack of concern is going to continue into the New Year's Eve game. I'm not at all concerned. I think the opening line is six and a half, but for Georgia, it should be higher than that, but that's fine. It should be, it should be higher than that. I agree with you. I think that this should be a much bigger number. I don't think that Ohio State is meaningfully better right. than Tennessee. They're not meaningfully uh, better than than Alabama or, right. or LSU. Why is the line there then? Yeah, that, because that's Ohio the only State's, concern. Yeah. Ohio why State's a line? big Big time program, and we haven't played them in a very long time. The best thing, no, this isn't. Ah, the best thing 
about playing Ohio State is that it is teaching our daughter to hate Ohio State. <laughs> and so her, her, she's her teacher. She's always not cared about football. Right, she's she like, yeah, care. whoever wins, whatever. But her teacher is a big Ohio State fan. And so, like, okay. her, her little second grade teacher talks about watching the Ohio State game every single week. Like, it's just, it's one of the things that, she, is what's that happening. she brings into the classroom. And Katie wears her little Georgia Bulldog sweatshirt to school every day. And, like, she has transformed in, like, the last month or so into Ethan. someone who thrives on the schadenfreude of... Of her teacher not being happy, like she, we were watching really thing, the Ohio State Michigan game, and she was rooting for Michigan, and we were like, "What do you? Why do you? What? Why do you care?" Yeah, and she says, "Well, because I don't want my teacher to be happy on Monday." <laughs> like Jesus Christ, she gets it, and she loves their teacher. Like it's not because yeah. she has disdain yeah, for the it's teacher. The it's friendly just friendly sports yeah. rivalry thing. No, that's great. Yeah. Somehow we're by by. Our constant in-house shitting upon all teams in orange, like and then and, and, and like the joy that we derive from watching teams that we don't like lose, even when we're not involved. Apparently, that's transferred to our daughter. So oh, good, we're probably not. Right? Probably not good. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she was that way for like five seconds with us. That's right. <laughs> so like she, she sort of right. She sort of passive aggressively makes comments that Lori like. Gets close to like throwing her out of the room, like you're, <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, so Georgia Tech scored a touchdown, huh? Oh, I get like, you. like as though she's just looking up and noticing it for the first time. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here, eight year old. Uh, she's a little demon. Oh, anyway, yeah, I think that we'll handle Ohio State, and Michigan. as much as I, I, I really like the TCU quarterback, the the Duggan character. Okay, that kid's got heart, man. Uh, and yeah, he almost died and then uh, kept playing. As so much as as good. much as I like him, I don't think that like the the sort of magic act that they were able to pull off a few times this year, and then to to lose to Kansas State the way that they did. Admittedly, it was close, but I, I don't see them beating Michigan. I think it's going to be a, a rematch of the two three game from last year. Hopefully, it goes the same way. And hopefully, yeah, it goes much the same way. Yeah. Painted our kitchen Michigan colors, so still feeling weird about that. Yeah. Let's see. What else we got? Any any other? Oh, no. Nothing. Good no? night. All right. So I have uh, consistently bleeped out the name of the person who we are going to briefly discuss here in I this segment. thought that segment. person wouldn't be discussed on this show. So, but I agree oh, that we're not musician? going to. He's a musician. Uh, probably... I think it's safe to say basically done with that part of his yeah. life for the time being. I can't see him accident. going yeah. back into the studio and like trying to put together another album anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but the the person who like graduation and uh, my my dark twisted beautiful fantasy or right. whatever it was the the person who put out. Some of the most important and influential. Taylor Swift. Are we talking about Taylor Swift? <laughs> Not quite. Although he did have uh, music... an interaction with her drunkenly once. That's true. That's In the deep. last couple of decades. Although I'm always hearing people talk about what an influence this individual has had on the culture in the last couple of decades. And then I look around at the culture of the last couple of decades. 
And I, I know it's like you yeah, got to pin that I, on him. <laughs> perhaps. I, well, I mean, if you're going to say this person has had a massive influence on the culture in the last two decades, right. and then you and then you do like look around, it's like ah. Uh, what what has gotten demonstrably better culturally in the last couple of decades? Uh, nothing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anyone who would I, want I to take claim. I don't want to pin it on him, yeah. but you know he's yeah. certainly part of a a, a a cresting wave of unfortunate cultural output. Anyway, he went on the Alex Jones program this among many past other programs. Didn't he make the rounds? I just he keep made seeing the rounds. his face. He's, he was or on a mask. couple of couple of different things including he went on uh the the tim pool who's a guy that we every once in a while mention here on the podcast of whom i'm no no fan but he walks out of an interview with tim pool because tim pool like sort of lightly pushed back against one thing that he said where he's Wasn't like, there like he's a nazi ab- in there too like there were uh, it was like that pool guy the other guy that we keep uh, talking about and some fuentes fellow wasn't right, he the also Nick Fuentes there? guy who so it's the it's the and, and Milo Yiannopoulos that moron who made some money for Breitbart a few years ago before they uh, got rid of him is also apparently somewhere in this team. I think he's he's gotten the boot or otherwise removed himself from this situation, but he was some sort of close political advisor to the presidential run. Isn't that, he Jewish? Milo? No, he's no. gay. His, uh, his he thing to walk is that, back to gay because he found God and then... Right. He was he was uh, a former gay. Yes. Okay, whatever. But his whole thing was that he was a, he was a gay who was super conservative right. or super Trumpy or... I don't know. It's stupid. It was like a vaguely entertaining clown for 15 minutes in 2015 who became yeah. like wildly uninteresting very shortly thereafter. Uh, is I think Milo he was, was. Uh, if my memory, which is generally poor serves me right uh he was like almost like making okay the whole pedophile like how young you know like yeah, as gay dudes oh, 13 year old it's like what no get out of here and then he just kind of disappeared for a little while yeah anyway so yes they were making the rounds and they end up eventually on the alex jones program where alex jones gets to Fill the for him the highly unusual role of uh, the sane person in the room. Yeah, he, and, I don't think he's ever been the I'm responsible person in the room. Yeah, he's never actually been. I think he was very uncomfortable. Like, what is happening? I, I bet you he's gonna think, "Oh, I am getting old. Like, I am now the responsible person." Like in the room, like that can't possibly be the case, right? And I think that that actually gets at something that's kind of important here. And and I got. I don't want to go on at length about this because I don't think it's important because obviously this person is not going to be the next president of the United States. Like that's, that's absurd. Yes. Although I've said that before yes. and been proven wrong <laughs> yes. at least once in the past. But while I understand like, so uh, Ben Collins, another name that keeps coming up recently, he tweeted out something about how this appearance on the Alex Jones program is a normalization of anti-Semitic and pro-Nazi, pro-fascist talk in a way that, like, that, and, and that it's a mainstreaming of that way of thinking. It's like you're talking about an appearance on the Alex Jones program, right? right. Like, we're not talking. He wasn't invited after he had his dinner with Trump. He wasn't then invited onto Lester Holt uh, right. for the NBC Nightly News for a 20 minute sit down. No, he went on a clown show, conspiracy theorist podcast for three or four hours. 
And he did it while wearing a gimp suit with, with zippers closed up over his eyes while getting out a bottle of Yoo-Hoo and a fishing net to represent the puppet version of Benjamin Netanyahu. Like, you cannot parody how right. completely absurd and ridiculous and removed from anything like the mainstream this was. So if anything, what it does is that it mainstreams Alex Jones not mainstreaming the person that he's interviewing, right? Because what it does, it says, oh, wait, well, if Alex isn't that fucking crazy, maybe, like, maybe somehow, because by reflection, he's not as crazy as the person who's sitting across the table with him, uh, maybe Alex is a, is a slightly more reasonable person. And even that, I think, is pretty fucking silly. Like, I don't think that that's an actual problem. But I do think that in the same way that, like, as my opening today was, uh, I was ripping off of a, a, a Trump truth tweet that he put out the other day. Where I'm going I'm to read this is it, word for word. Did you just say Trump truth? Is it like his platform or the Twitter platform? He's not yet moved over to Twitter because apparently part of his deal when he signed on to Truth Social, yes, is he basically signed a non compete with <laughs> with. When he decided to go on Truth Social, no I assume that there, like, I think it's not Jason Miller, but it's some other grifter asshole who's who's in charge of the Truth Social thing, and like his tweet, like anything that he puts out in social media has to live for some number of hours on Truth Social before it is allowed to be disseminated to any of his other official accounts That's assuming and so this is like assuming that he was at some point going to get access to his Twitter account again they built into him coming on to Truth Social this weird like non-compete that says you can't tweet something unless you've put it on Truth Social 6 or 8 or 12 hours earlier or something like that and has that uh, I mean I guess the thinking is that it's going to somehow drive traffic towards this truth platform because right. I can't wait when, for in Trump's reality, comments. All it's yeah. done is yeah. it's kept Donald from tweeting at all, and it just anybody who wants Donald stuff, like this, there's dozens of accounts I'm sure that just screenshot whatever he puts up on Truth Social and then puts it onto the the Twitter okay. app instead. Did he not anyway, bother? Gonna, did, he doesn't bother with uh, following through and actually posting on Twitter. He just no, he has not. I don't think he's tweeted yet from okay. the at real Donald Trump account since Elon put him back on Twitter. Uh, but I haven't checked that in the last couple of days. I could be wrong. Anyway, you this have is... your notifications turned on for him. I don't know. I don't. The way that the notifications on Twitter work is ridiculous and always has been. I mean, I started a, a project that I never. This is going to shock you. I started a big sort of thing with the hopes of writing out a big project about this and then i never followed through on it which i know must be shocking to everyone yeah that's shocking to everyone <laughs> but i have i have like six or seven different twitter handles that i have like i have six or seven different accounts including the one that i have for the show i have the one that i started in 2010 or 2009 or whatever as the the same handle that i am everywhere else on the internet right i have one that's called uh, You Fucking Weird Moron, where I just retweet things uh, like with an enthusiastic sort of thumbs up and endorsement. But the name of the account is You Fucking Weird Moron. Uh, I've got the, I've got the Weird Penis Knower yeah, account. I'm familiar like with I, that one. <laughs> I have a few different accounts. And the, the reason for them and the reason that I keep them going is because I like to see without following anyone or with following only a minimal number of accounts – 
what the app pushes out to me. Right. And so I'm sure that there are people furiously coming up doing this now, now that Twitter is no longer in the good graces of the mainstream in any way whatsoever because Elon took over. And they're, they're trying to figure out the ways in which it's radicalizing people and it's driving people to bad content and that sort of thing. But le- I can assure you that for long before Elon Musk ever took over the Twitter app, it was pushing you to absolutely right. bonkers bullshit. Like the, the, the literally the worst things that you can imagine going up on that app without being immediately deleted. Those were the push notifications I was getting, even without following any of those accounts. Right. Right. So like, I mean, for, I mean, even on my regular account, I see something from like Seth Abrams. Seth Abramson is a guy that you follow. Oh, yeah. This idiot tweets something and it gets pushed out to my phone. And I'm like, why is this being pushed out to me? I don't follow this guy. And I click on it. It's like, Abe follows this guy. You probably want to see this. It's my fault. Yeah, fuck you. And now now, now I'm mad at Abe. (laughs) And he won't even text me back. I think he's leaving the Twitter. Uh, this is a, the the one good thing about this uh, whole Musk uh, nonsense is that a lot of people are just going to leave, and the things will just ah, be it's going to be temporary. They're all coming back. I oh, don't believe so? them for a second. Yeah. Anyway, Twitter's bad has been for a very long time. Not new, uh, but th- here's something that that Trump tweeted over the or truthed on December third. First thing in the morning, he woke up. He said he sang his happy birthday to Abe, and then he tweeted this. <laughs> so. With the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC, and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So like I said to Bob, you and him are on the same page. Right. Trump, clearly, they're calling for ignoring, I mean, at best, I guess you could say, ignoring the Constitution, if not the outright termination of whatever constitutional articles stand in the way of him simply being sentiments you've expressed declared. I don't know why you keep insisting on this false narrative. I have simply expressed in the past that if we're not going to adhere to the constitution and if it is in fact in need of a relatively dramatic overhaul, then let's give it a shot. There's no reason why it can't be amended and fixed in ways that would benefit all of us. Other than that, there's apparently no appetite for any of that, you know, because the the bar is pretty high to make these uh, amendments go through, right? And so you can barely pass a a budget. I I don't think a constitutional amendment is in the cards. Sure. Uh, the, The key phrase there being... A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. So uh, the reason that I'm bringing it up in relation to this other conversation is because you can see Trump himself just in the last few years – like he does something absurd and crazy in order to get a great deal of attention, right? So he comes down the escalator in 2015, and he has this whole apparently has this whole prepared speech that some professional speechwriter put together for him, and he reads like 15 words from it, and then starts riffing as though he's on talk radio because that's ultimately all he's ever been. He's just Donnie from Queens 
calling in and giving his two cents to whoever will listen on the other end. And so yes. that's how that's how instead of getting the sort of professionally produced announcement about how Donald Trump's going to come in and as a, a righteous businessman set this country to rights, instead we get uh, Mexicans aren't sending their best. They're sending the, the rapists and the murderers and what have you, right? Right. It's equal parts to that and a professional wrestling spectacle. Like that's making a big thing. That's having – paying for an audience to just kind of hoot and holler – the whole thing. Right. And and so we go from on election night, this is being stolen from us, but it won't be stolen from us because uh, we won this election and we're not going to stand for this and blah, 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 to now December of 22, two full years later, he's talking about how the Constitution should just be suspended. So we're watching as the slippery as, – as he continues to fall down the slippery slope to the more and more absurd thing, what that allows for – what. Not not anything like what we've heard for the last many years about we're concerned about normalizing Donald Trump, right? Nobody ever normalized that was a that was an absurd narrative, right? It's it's one thing for the Republicans to say, well, he's on our fucking team, so that's sort of what we gotta deal with here. What is the rational alternative? Like, yeah. In my heart of hearts, I wish that I could tell the asshole off, but that that's not a reasonable alternative. And would you? And, and their rationalization is: Would you rather I was in the room as somebody who, deep in my heart, knows that this guy's an idiot and a and a and a real problem for our country? Would you rather I stayed in the room for that, or would you rather I just left and some true believer came in and took my spot? It's not a compelling moral argument, right. but ultimately, it is a sort of at least vaguely compelling practical argument, which is that, yes, I'm glad that uh, within the establishment of the GOP, there are still some people who recognize that Trump was a fucking disaster. And I think that, that, that the more that they know that, the less likely they are to turn the keys back over to him in 2024. And we've seen that. People who stood by him for years, uh, whether it's the, the Chris Christie's, the uh, and and even more so Mike Pence and Nikki Haley. These are these are people who wouldn't speak a single word against Donald Trump for years and years. And now, in the wake of this uh, Fuentes thing, the the Nazi dinner, and January sixth, have been much more likely to say, "I think it's time to look to the future and not just defer to Donald Trump." Right, but isn't this a repeat of what happened before? There were opportunities in the first go around where. People said, oh, no, this guy is uh, uncouth and there's no way. And then he started winning uh, these primaries and caucuses. And then, like, well, I guess this is our guy. The Hollywood Planet Hollywood or whatever, the Access Hollywood Access, thing yep. came out like a month before. And there are clips of many different of the same politicians saying, nope, 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 nope. He should step aside, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, if – you know, between now and whenever the first primary is, I don't know if the Republicans are, are shuffling their schedule like the Democrats are, but if he starts winning again, those early primaries and caucuses, everybody will just fall back in line, right? So right now, it's great that people are saying things uh, long overdue, but f whatever. Uh, but as soon as if he if he still has some sort of support and he's winning these races in a Mike Pence, DeSantis, like in a crowded kind of field, then all those people, what are you going to do? You're going to vote for like the other side? I don't know, and I don't what? I don't want to pretend that they're going to suddenly be reformed and and figure it out next time. Well, the that's only probably... thing, well, the only thing we don't know is whether or not Trump can actually do that, thing, right? But if he does, right, because there's it's, no it's doubt, not a sign. It's not a sign of strength that he's at Mar-a-Lago having dinner 
with personally avowed white nationalists, right? right? With people who are actual Nazi apologists, people who go on the Alex Jones program and say things like, actually, you do kind of have to hand it to Hitler, right? Like, I mean, we're not talking about uh, Godwin's law here. We're not talking about inferring something about what someone says and then saying, actually, what you're doing is giving sucker to Nazis. We're talking about people who are just out and out saying the Nazis were good, too. Right. right. <laughs> that, that, yes. that I'm not that because Hitler was technically a human being, that he had inherent value and worth and also did some good things along with the attempted genocide of the Jewish people. Right. right. Along with uh, the upending of the, the entire world order in the 1940s. Like whatever. I think I think that somebody who says things like we just need to overturn the Constitution cannot then be elected by the Republican Party to uh, then swear an oath to protect and uphold the United States Constitution. Maybe that makes me incredibly naive, right. but I, I just I don't see it happening again. I don't, I don't see them picking him. I don't think that he's in a position of strength. I think that he's in a position of incredible weakness right now, and the, the way that he's acting is, is revealing that. Right, and also, I mean, it, the one difference is that people have already seen him in office and the chaos that came with it. So it's not like he had that element of like, well, let's give this a shot, right? So like, he has that going against him. But all of these points about like how he's fraternizing with these randoms, right? Uh, none of that has any bearing on whether or not the the people will fall in line. It all depends on what the primary voters decide. Right, except that, except that. And I, I apologize for never getting to the point here and just circling around it, but except for the fact that he's no longer the turd in the punch bowl because there, his presence as the turd in the punch bowl for the last seven years invites way bigger turds into the punch bowl, right? right? So he can't really be the crazy fucking clown who's making everybody else clownish by by contrast. But he's like when he gets up there on stage with Jeb Bush and all the other suits and everybody looks like an asshole because Donald Trump is there. It won't work again if there's another fucking circus in town. Well, and like setting, his yeah. And I'm not saying that anybody can do the thing that he did in the way that he did it. But the thing that happens is that people see what works and what worked for Trump was being outrageous. And he can't be at more outrageous than himself. He's just always been himself. But there are people and they put on gimp masks and they go on the Alex Jones program who can perform that in a much more outrageous way, which makes him look absurd by reflection as well. Really, that's interesting because to me, I think – he can still run the same playbook as before because setting aside the uh, former musician guy, right, he's not actually going to be in the debates or anything, right? Like he's just going to have his own sideshow, right? So Trump is likely going to, if he is going to continue this whole thing, uh, go up against a Mike Pence, a suit. DeSantis, despite what he pretends like, uh, you know, uh, doing the whole uh, woke culture stuff, he's still like a normal politician and he has some shame going up against somebody who has none right so like he can still run the same playbook and kind of rile up like i don't know if a nick haley or pompeo i don't think those people are gonna run if trump runs but like those people are still suits you know they're not like 
stiffs like uh, Jeb Bush, but like close. DeSantis, DeSantis continues to inspire the sort of hatred in the media that Donald Trump inspired in a way that the other ones don't. Right, so that's, but if that's he goes the, up against— That's the that's key difference between right. Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis. The key difference between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley is that people are more than willing at the New York Times and the Washington Post to talk about how Ron DeSantis— is the fifth horseman of the apocalypse that he that he represents the end of democracy in right. much the same way that Donald Trump does does so that that actually does fill the role in, in the if he's going up again that's what, uh, yeah in a, in, if he, in the situation where it's just him but if Trump is also running he still has that gravitational pull of oh this person is whatever you don't think he's gonna He's not going to hesitate at all to say something unkind about DeSantis's wife or some. He'll make some stupid thing, right? And it's going to rattle a DeSantis. Like he's like, this is beyond the pale, and blah 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 blah. He'll fall back into regular politician. Except that he'll have to continue to reach. It it won't be enough to just call DeSantis's wife ugly. Like right. first of all, it has to it has to have a grain of truth to it. Okay, and I don't want to be cruel here about Ted Cruz's wife, but when Trump tweeted out a picture of his wife next to a picture of Ted Cruz's wife and Ted Cruz's wife is like it's a very unflattering photograph let's right. say right like like it, there was a there was a large grain of truth to what he was saying now was it fair or kind no of or course relevant. not or or relevant right. no of course not but it spoke to something true which is that in this particular photograph uh, Heidi Cruz or whatever her name is looked ugly, and Melania Cruz looked like a, a soft core. Yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and now I'm inside Ted Cruz's head. Uh, <laughs> Melania looked like a soft core porn model, which right. is what she was, right? And so there was a, there was an amount of truth there. And for what it's worth, uh, DeSantis's wife is kind of hot, right? Like in in the way that politicians' wives can be hot. So like there won't be that like it, it will have to be something else. It has right. to, and yes. it will have to be worse. No, but what I mean is, it, it would have to be if even if it was uh, DeSantis's wife is ugly, that wouldn't be enough. We've already heard that one. We heard that back in 2015. He, he, he can't get off on the same hits that he got off on in 2015. It would have to be by orders of magnitude worse in the same way that the, his latest nonsense about just simply ending the Constitution is a step up from what he was saying last summer when he was like hinting at maybe I'll just be reinstated as president. Yes. It's like, yeah, that was outrageous, but it didn't get enough purchase. So now I have to go out and say, we're Even just going to suspend the Constitution instead. He will things will become more and more outrageous and they will like i know that it's naive of me to right. suggest that, that that finally it will become unpalatable to the general public or to the 25% of americans uh who somehow are still on his side but i, I just don't think that the that yes we will the, his supporters will not be moved but independents have proven in every election since 2016 right since the only one that he won and not even with a majority of the popular vote not even with a plurality of the popular vote, uh, for what it's worth. But in 2018 and 2020 and 2022, the Trumpist thing was rejected in three straight elections. Independents have not gone back to Donald Trump, and they will not ever go back to Donald Trump. It doesn't mean that his base can be swayed. I don't believe that they are persuadable. But I further don't believe that the, the people who've decided that he's a fucking clown are going to be persuaded that he's not by the ongoing performance of an even greater clownishness. Right.
Well, I'd love to see that. I just think that in the primaries with the, the very conservative base that's voting, the Sanders type will need to win a significant number of red hat wearing types and not just independents. And I don't know if he has that in yet. I, th- I think as usual with these stupid political parties, if they would just get together yeah. and figure out now which of us is this. Right. Then that would solve a lot of the problems. And the Demo- the Democrats did it in, in and and like credit to the Democrats because they did it in 2020, right? They coalesced around Joe Biden after he'd had a disastrous first few weeks of the primaries. He yeah, nothing like was going place right for in him. Like one place and third place uh, somewhere, like yeah, like Iowa and New Hampshire. Maybe that's why he's uh, pushing for the South Carolina thing. Like, hey. That's how, that's how my campaign actually uh, turned things around. So it's, let's move uh, them up front. Right, and it's and it's perfectly defensible, right? right? Which is that South Carolina actually does look more uh, demographically like yeah, the rest South of the Carolina United States. Or Nevada, but yeah, at least Iowa needs to go. They fucked. Up. I mean, that was their fault. Like, I mean, they fucked it up. The thing they do is cool, though. You no, know, it's, it's cool. cool, but it needs to be paired with a primary. Like, it can't. They can't be the only people. There's just only white people. There yeah. is the problem. Yeah. Well, not only that, but they consistently get results that are that are not in keeping with what the majority of the yeah. Democratic Party wants. Right? right? It doesn't have anything to do with the color of their skin. No, but there it has are to do a with whole the, lot of white people. They there. get more ideologically yeah. strident people coming out of the Iowa situation than you get coming out of uh, the the rest of real America, for lack of a better phrase. The the, the one upside to a state like an Iowa is like it's a small enough state to where like a lower profile candidates can they have enough runway to raise their profile to show some sort of viability going into bigger states. So like if you just went straight into a South Carolina, maybe like I don't know a Buttigieg or whatever wouldn't wouldn't be a viable candidate. A Buttigieg type. I think that that I think that you're right. Uh, if we're talking about this. In a previous century or in a, right. in, a, in a previous time. But you can now get a profile and raise $100 million in a weekend if you uh, make the right kind of noises online, right? Like, I don't yeah. think that but a you, That's Buttigieg- a firebrand tactic. I mean, you couldn't be like a normal like Republican or normal Democrat and, and, and raise that kind of money online. You would have to be Perhaps. Like, the, yeah. the, the point here, though, is that what the, Demo- what the DNC has done in attempting to – uh, make Iowa and New Hampshire slightly less relevant at the beginning of their primary season is they have, as a party, ensured that they're going to get a more palatable person who doesn't have to take such extreme stances at the beginning of a race that they would then have to defend later. Right. So Pete Buttigieg maybe doesn't have to be as stridently progressive as he felt he needed to be in 2020 yeah, that's in a order good point. to make a splash yeah. in – in the first few weeks of primaries and instead can present himself as a more moderate and, and standard issue Democrat who appeals. Like, I don't think that he's ever going to win over the black vote uh, for, for a whole host of reasons. Well, that's one Uh, reason, but yeah. Right. What's that, Abe? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What? 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 Anyway. I'm uh, not black. Why don't black people like him? Well, for one thing, because he's gay. That is okay. the one thing I was thinking. You're of, not yes. going. You're not going to get a lot of the church-going black grandmas to support the young white gay guy, probably. Uh, but who knows? But yeah, you're right. I think that the Republicans similarly would be would be well served to coalesce around. I mean, I don't think you're getting Mike Pence out of this, except by uh, the total humiliation of his failure to. 
derive more than five percent of the votes out of the first four or five primaries. Right? But he would like, he I could pull think... a Mike Huckabee thing because you know I, there are a lot of conservative types that are uh, of his ilk in Iowa. But again, if Trump is running, it'd be kind of hard for his number two to right. But overthink. winning Iowa has proven not to matter very yes, much. Very significant state. Yes, right. So yeah. it doesn't matter, and it's just a stupid narrative thing with the media. So like, there's there's no reason to pay attention to it anyway. Whether it is the first one or it's not the first one, almost doesn't matter. Right. But yeah, I like the worst case scenario is that you have enough Republicans running in this that the same thing happens as happened in 2015, which is that a small percentage of the Republican Party makes the decision for the wider Republican Party and you get stuck with this asshole and then people are like, I don't know what else to do because I'm sorry I can't vote for Kamala Harris. Like, right. And I, I disagree that then you should therefore vote for uh, Donald Trump. I think that's an insane position to take. So basically uh, – but- so your, your, your thinking is if you're the DeSantis camp – you want to be one-on-one. -on -one. If you're the Trump campaign, you would almost invite more candidates to join because it's yeah. going to dilute the vote. Yeah, to where you, that's what happened last time. Yeah, just bring more people on. It was on. terrible. Yeah. Anyway, we can move on from this. I just think that what the former musician signifies as much as anything else is the sort of desperate – I mean, and yeah, like – a lot. Uh, we sh probably shouldn't brush aside all of the gross anti-Semitism stuff, and we probably shouldn't treat it as a total joke because it does seem to be, for some reason, like this this sort of black nationalist, this almost nation of Islam sort of stuff coming well, out. It's also of, going on in like all over Europe. It's not just here. Yeah, and that that is concerning, right? Like we yes. should probably <laughs> be worried about much. it. It's almost like a weather event. If certain things happen, like that comes out. It's just this weird, like, oh, what's this? Let's, I guess we're doing this. We're making weird anti-Semitic claims. Right. But at the same time, like, I don't think that that is, I mean, again, perhaps I'm naive. And I'm sure that uh, there are plenty of people with nice long memories uh, going back uh, to the 40s and, and beyond that. About how they we call those people historians, yeah. not people with long memories. <laughs> that we shouldn't be dismissive of the ability of these anti-Semitic conspiracy theories to coalesce in a culture and to sort of concretize into something much more insidious over time. But I just I don't think it's the sort of thing that that is going to gain wide cultural purchase here in the United States in a way that it has in the past elsewhere. Again, perhaps I'm naive. And so for now, I'll just treat it as what I think it is, which is this sort of clownish attempt to say outrageous things in order to get coverage. And, that, and it's almost better that these people feel comfortable to say these things in public so that we can dismiss them for the loons that they are. Right. I do briefly want to talk about something you talked about on the buffer with oh, your boys the which biffler. is tits uh um bitches uh yeah <laughs> I mean, they, they talk about bitches a lot bitches, over there on the biffler crazy bitches uh lebron and i'll, I'll probably drop the clip oh, in here but i i, I need not drop the clip in here for you lebron says something to the effect of uh, jerry jones Somebody released a photograph of Jerry Jones when he was 14 years old outside of an Arkansas school. Who's Jerry Jones? Jerry the Jones, Cowboys the owner or... of the, the Dallas Cowboys and a billionaire. A billionaire because of a combination of the oil business, owning the Dallas Cowboys, and oddly, uh, the food service industry. Because he owns, okay. like, it's it, it's 
Does he own Aramark, or he owns one of them that are like Aramark? Like Cisco or something? Is that it's how not Cisco. he made his money to buy the Cowboys? Or was he no, rich he made his money else? to buy the Cowboys, I think, in the oil business. Okay. But then he expanded the business of being a Cowboys owner by owning the staffing and culinary services that serve the Cowboys people, and then he sold all of those same services to, like, uh, many dozens of other stadiums across the country. Smart and that, man. That I b- he, uh, believe is the source of much of his wealth. Uh, he was like an old lineman for Arkansas, too, I think. Yeah, he was a, he's a good old boy from yeah. Arkansas. And as a good old boy from Arkansas, when he was 14 and the Supreme Court insisted that schools desegregate in the Deep South, he was photographed outside of one of those schools in a crowd of white people sort of looking on as black people were uh, forcefully integrated into their school. And that photograph made the rounds. It's not clear what his role was in the crowd. But, Could be uh, just regardless, a or in, in the funny example that you uh, pointed to, Bob, that it could be like a Forrest Gump-like just helping out. Yeah, perhaps just he's just hoping to happily escort the, the people into the into the school and helpfully make sure that all of their books make it in as well, right. as, as Forrest did. <laughs> I doubt that. I'm sure that he was just, yeah, sort of there to watch the train wreck. And it's entirely possible that as a 14-year-old in Arkansas in the 1950s, Jerry Jones had some very backwards ideas about black people, right? right. Like that wouldn't be surprising. Or he uh, did, not, or not the more least. likely scenario is that he just adopted whatever was in his environment, right? I mean, yes, people exactly. aren't like independent thinkers. Like, I guess we're hating these people, and uh, so they did. Right, not to excuse it, right. but certainly to sort of understand it a little bit. And also, there's no like as I said, there's not any particular proof that that was what was going on there. LeBron James, who was asked repeatedly to comment upon Kyrie Irving situation with the anti-Semitic film that we discussed a few weeks ago here on the show, which has he been re-ins- has he been welcomed back? I, yeah, I haven't even uh, really been following it. Apparently, he did enough to be brought back. Although Nike so, has uh, basically done away with the deal, they suspended his uh, Nike foot shoe contract, and now they're basically done with him. So he's available to sign with that musician who has shoes, right? No, good. And he is uh, available to market his shoes as he sees fit since he no longer has a relationship with Adidas, right? Gap, too. World's colliding. Oh, anyway, LeBron apparently frustrated about being asked about Kyrie many times over the past few weeks and Kyrie's uh, perhaps anti-Semitic comments or leanings. said that he had a statement to make, and I'll play the clip here. Uh, The long and the short of it is that he said, I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong, or, or something that people don't agree with. It's on every single tabloid 
every single news coverage. It's on the bottom ticker. It's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago, and we all make mistakes. I get it. But it seemed like it's just been buried under, like, oh, it happened. Okay, we just, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, you guys are really quick to ask me about Kyrie Irving and all of that stuff, but you had no interest whatsoever in asking me about the Jerry Jones stuff. Right. Uh, what's up with that? Uh, don't you think that you should want to know what I think about that? He doesn't really go on to say what it is that he thinks about that. He's right. just putting it out there rhetorically. What What did you what What do you think about that? So I don't even remember what I said on the other podcast, but like you know the logical explanation is Kyrie was a teammate of his. They won a title together. He has a relationship with him. They're friends. They're likely angling to be teammates again before LeBron retires at 80 years old or whatever, whenever he stops playing basketball. Uh, And so it's natural for people, if something were to happen to his basketball friend and real life friend, that they would ask him questions about it. And less so if some old geezer owner of a different sport did a thing, right? So like, You're drawing this con- conclusion that, oh, you only ask me about it when it's something like negative about whatever. What about when somebody says something negative about uh, black people? Because I think that was like the gist of it. Like, yes, of course, anti-Semitism is wrong, but anti-black sentiment, which is the assumption behind the picture that he was there not as some harmless looky-loo. He was there to like be part of the intimidation force. Like, hey, you're not welcome here. Get the fuck out, Right. Uh, how come that's not part of the conversation? And, and LeBron was not interested in a back and forth. Like he shut it down when people were trying to clarify the reporters. He just asked his question and he just left. Uh, and, and that was that. So like, to me, it's like, it was probably one of those things like where one of his friends or maybe even Kyrie himself said, isn't it funny? Kind of like, as a, you know, isn't it weird that they're not asking you about that? And that story just kind of came and went. And he was like, oh, that is a really good point. And he's like, I'm going to raise it the next time, like unprompted, which he did. Right. Uh, it is it is at, at best, it's like a, a tweet that he would have put out with a couple of the thinking face yeah, the thinking. emojis at the end yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Like, and it's certainly not worth engaging with in any serious way because it's just a complete non sequitur. Right. One doesn't have anything to do with the other right. except – like, except in his own mind, right? Like, no one else is asking him uh, every single time something racist happens in the world. We don't go to LeBron as the racism knower right. and also to he find out want what LeBron that. thinks. Yeah, because that would be in- completely right. fucking intolerable, right? Right? Yeah. Like, and also, like, super fucking racist to, yes. to, to like, single out the famous <laughs> black guy and say, hey— What's up with the with this other this old racist white fella? Right. Every time some old racist white fella did some old racist white fella shit, right? Right? Like it, it would be completely unacceptable to do that. It's ridiculous, and I I don't know why it's pointed at or or lauded as somehow like LeBron doing the doing the social justice work in a meaningful way. It's it's absurd. The only and, the, the only thing. Uh, Unless maybe this is what he was intending to accomplish, was the story did kind of come and go, and maybe because like it's Jerry Jones, it's like Jerry Jones is like eighty years old from Arkansas. Like, what else do you expect, right? And so the story was published. It didn't get a lot of traction, and and LeBron bringing it up brought the story back to you know to the limelight. Uh, but now it's gone again. So like, 
if he accomplished anything, it was basically that. Just like, oh, yeah, that's right. There was that picture that just kind of came and went. Uh, so if that was so his this was, objective, he succeeded there. This was a story that I had in the uh, my own personal show notes that I never got around to from a few weeks ago. ESPN had like – it was like 10,000 fucking words long. It was about Dan Snyder and how Dan – like it was like – I mean there are countless – versions of this article written through the years about what a piece of shit Dan Snyder is, obviously. But Dan Snyder had compromise on, like, other (laughs) NFL owners, and that was why he hadn't been pushed out. Because I think that something broke over the summer about the – because this is the owner of the the Washington football team, uh, Dan Snyder, and what a piece of dirtbag shit he's been. And there was a big investigation into, like, John Gruden and the Raiders and a bunch of weird Dan Snyder stuff came out. Over the summer, and like Snyder was insisting that like one of the reasons why he'll never be forced to sell his team is that he's got he's got the goods on other NFL owners. Yeah, enough like, of them, anyways. Yeah. And when Everybody I read about that, each other. I was like, this makes a lot of sense because uh, this guy was in very recent memory accused of weird like stealing money from the nfl like keeping money out of the like 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 competitive balance stuff yeah was it like a revenue sharing thing like there was something where like yeah like a revenue sharing thing where he's hiding big piles of money or something so that he doesn't have to give money back into the league like like stuff that billionaires do not put up with at scale (laughs) right like this sort of thing that is like okay well you're not gonna be an owner anymore because that's like we don't have a lot of rules here uh you can sexually harass the cheerleaders and 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 do questionable things uh in terms of race a lot of the time as long as you keep it on the down low right but uh, you don't fuck with our money yes certainly and so like when when the story came out it's like i've got the goods on other nfl owners i was like okay i i believe that actually and then uh, this last week, this photo of Jerry Jones comes out at a outside of a like. How is that not what he is referring to? I, that's yeah. Initially, I was thinking it, it had to have been that the two things going against it is that his posture was like, "Come after me, and I'll release this damaging information." And so, okay, they basically his posture changed. He was willing to sell, and you're thinking, okay, I guess he backed off on the threat. But then the story came out. The one thing that uh, goes against the theory that uh, he leaked the information is that it was published by the Washington Post, which one of these 10,000-word articles went out of their way to say he hates. Like, Dan Snyder apparently hates with his guts the Washington Post. And if anything comes out— if you want to throw people off the scent of the fact that it was your photo— Right, but the way that they said it it was that that he would— Because what's the the ultimate harm done is none that the Washington Post puts this out because then it's disseminated across the wide media. They're not going to win a fucking Pulitzer And no one was going to remember that. It's not— yeah, that's true. Right? Like, there's no there's no glory to be had by the Washington Post just because that's the first outlet but that also, had it. But also, I mean, if if he emptied his chamber, so to speak, and this was it, like, come on, you're making this threat over a billion dollar franchises over like a one picture. He must have had more. Right. If right, but it, imagine that the threat of this is as Jerry Jones is taking the knee and locked arms <laughs> with players. Yeah. In but 2020, sure the during the, the George Floyd protests, yeah, right? That, yeah. So this is something that probably had a great deal of purchase in the abstract, right. and then when it comes and goes in a time like this, when it's less immediately relevant, the race stuff, when it's less like completely the only thing that we're talking about, like you can imagine this coming out in the wake of George Floyd and Jerry Jones getting in a significant amount of trouble for right. it, right? 
I think that there's no doubt that this is what Dan Snyder was talking about when he would get drunk at parties and talk about how he had the goods on fellow NFL owners. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe other stories will start to trickle because I can't imagine if he did had if he did have the goods on these owners, and it'll probably just be a handful of them. Like you don't need it on everybody, but like a Bob Kraft, a Jerry Jones, that yeah, caliber. But what are the goods what? on Bob Kraft? Bob, is, we we know all know. the bad shit these assholes do. Bob Kraft goes the to hand jobs. What if not through the back door? Parlors. He has the access to that video and at least the letting the UVA football team borrow his plane. Right. So like, <laughs> you never That's know. Nice. Yeah. And leave it to this fucking crew for the punishment <laughs> for being Dan Snyder to be that you have to sell your team for $7, seven billion. Dollars. Bi- it's crazy. That's, that's the, 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 the tough thing coming to Dan Snyder is that he's going to get between 7 and $8 billion for a franchise that he has consistently run directly into the ground ever since he bought it. Right? Right. The only, the only thing is that the, the, the five, six, seven. Maybe ten billion a few years from now, whatever the amount is, he was going to make that money regardless. But now he's no longer these rich people. I guess these sports owners, they also want the cachet of being an owner. They're always talked about. But he doesn't have that now because right. everyone hates, hates him. him. Yeah, maybe. So yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, at least now people will stop hating him as much, or at least he, they won't be. Yeah. He'll go buy a. He'll go buy a. a, a European soccer team or something. You know? like, like a NASCAR car, one of those Formula yeah. 500 cars. Yeah, those maybe, are expensive, yeah. right? Like the F1 kind of, yeah. Yeah. He can do so many things. I don't things. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We can do this quickly because I, and again, I, I'm afraid I'm dipping back into the Biffler uh, for content <laughs> here a little bit. That's... <laughs> So this I have a, is just the Biffler I have a, reaction That's right. This is not podcast. actually Cast Iron Brains anymore. It's just a Biffler reaction <laughs> show. <laughs> Watch the show take off after that. <laughs> so that's right. Uh, all of a sudden, we're gonna have another. We're gonna have Tony listening. That's right. And send, sending us feedback, and we'll have tripled our audience. Um. So Deshaun Watson came back to the Who's Browns that? this weekend. He yes. was the the quarterback that quarterback raped the people? from Clemson who went rapes. on to. It's a, been, this is week eleven already. It's week yes, something. Yes, we're yeah. week twelve. Wow. Yeah. He was suspended for the first 11 games of the season. Uh, I believe his he got paid. He, he had his his pay suspended for those games, but his pay was uh, effectively minimum wage for those games because of the way that the Browns structured his contract. They anticipated that. So they were so cynical about their whole pursuit of him that they gave him a base salary, anticipating a. a suspension ranging between wow. you know half the season and the full season, and so all the money's back ended. Right, and not not back ended in like the way that like Bobby Bonilla continues to get a check yeah. from the yeah, it's just the remaining from years. The Mets. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just that this first year was nothing, and then all of the other money is spread out over the ten years after that. And it's all guaranteed, despite uh, his uh, rusty uh, performance. Like he's guaranteed all that money, two hundred plus million, two hundred and thirty million dollars, yeah. I believe, yeah. was the was the contract. A lot of money. Uh, he got in trouble, of course, because he was hiring massage therapists off of social media and then forcing himself upon those those women, the, the masseuses, who uh, seemed to not appreciate the fact that uh, what he was after was not a traditional sort of athletic recovery massage, but instead involved sexual release in some way and, and some very particular ways right. that he wanted that. And some 20-something women eventually came forward uh, complaining about his behavior. No criminal charges were brought. 
because it was a difficult case to prove criminally, but he settled with uh, 20-something of these women out of court. There's a few cases still pending in terms of a civil settlement, I do believe. I bring it up, and this is not to talk about Deshaun Watson, because I think we're all in agreement here yes. about Deshaun Watson. Uh, Solid dude, right? Great player, right. a shitty player, a shitty person. You have a you have a, a friend who went to Clemson yes. who's who's on the Biffler. Yes. And he cannot be swayed <laughs> from his position that Deshaun Watson is the wronged individual here. Yes. This is something we've talked about on this show, isn't it? Probably. But not I'm, this specific instance, but like the fact that when it's your guy, you're like, Oh no, that's probably not true. Right. Or right. wh- and also the other side is when you hear they're from a rival school or team, you're like, "Ha ha! Yeah. See, you're inclined they're to all believe dirty. it." Right. That's right. Whereas in our in our heads, it's like, "Oh, well, of course the Clemson quarterback is a total piece of shit rapist, <laughs> right. right?" Like Clemson <laughs> sucks. Like naturally, like I fully believe all of these women and all of the other hundreds of thousands of women who just haven't come forward yet because they're so they've been so victimized by this guy that they can't get it together. So. As long as the Biffler has existed, yes, uh, this has been in the news. And you guys, as a crew, have discussed the Deshaun Watson stuff many times. And there's really only one of you yes. in the room who's ever defending Deshaun Watson. And and not just defending him, but like advocating for him. Not only, and, yeah. not only. and dismissing all of the women. Well, and bitches de- be. Right. And, and talking <laughs> shit that, about yes. the women. And this is not to dump on your buddy right. who, like... Fine, whatever. But I, I do want to acknowledge that you have tried for going on two years now to get into his head just a little bit the idea that Deshaun Watson is not a saint here, right? right? That there's, there's a pattern but it behavior. hasn't worked at right. all. Yeah. It arguably it's had the exact opposite effect, fact, which is yeah. that he is yeah. more <laughs> stridently defending Deshaun Watson now than at any point before, to the point of Talking shit about the women yeah. who were planning on going and protesting yeah, at the Browns me. game this weekend because they had taken a settlement, they should they should just shut up and go yeah, away they, forever. Just be yeah. protesting. Yeah, basically the most charitable take on the settlement is that they were made whole and there's no issue to have. And the less charitable way is that you were lying all along and you're just paid off. Which is right, worse than just saying, "Yeah, something may have happened, but you know, they, you're squared away now. So why are you still bothering him?" Like, but, but there is no like, not to get into an argument with somebody who's not in the room. Yeah. But there is no squaring away right. the dignity and pride right. and the and, and the fact of their victimization with a couple of million dollars. Right. Like that's not the point of the couple of million dollars. That doesn't make you whole again. Right. It's just a punishment. On the guy, and it it ha- it redounds to your benefit in material and monetary ways. But that doesn't mean that you are in any way supposed to be made whole right. in the eyes of the law or in the eyes of of anything resembling justice. And I appreciate the fact that you and the other guys in the room, slightly less so, are willing to push back on his defense of Watson over and over again. But but at the same time, it's like after two years, I've noticed. You don't try as hard anymore yeah, because, because you, like, you know been made, exactly yeah. and also, where he is on this. I mean, not to uh, t- get him off the hook. Like, I-, I think at, at this point, he's just kind of playing up yeah. an initial position because it has – like you're right. We have talked about it over – ever since it started, the story. And before, 
there was less information that we knew. And now as more and more damning information comes out, it's, it's an in, indefensible position. It's but the he same had no as way the out. Trump people. And, and so he's continuing this uh, farce where he's like, oh. People decide this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, This is the hill I will die on. And it becomes more ridiculous. And they're like, yeah, yeah still. <laughs> still because my it's more, that's. The hill is getting taller and weirder, and I will continue to stand on this hill. The, the last effort I, I can imagine is if this uh, another thing comes out about Watson is to just offer like an amnesty. Like we're never going to bring it up. We're not going to talk. Just just admit now, and and we'll move on. That maybe he's guilty of some of these things, and maybe that will work. Just to say like we're not going to tease you about it being wrong, which is a silly, absurd consideration. But you know humans are that way, uh, and so just give him an amnesty. Option. So do you think, and this is maybe we can talk about it in a less specific way, is there, because I wrote a lengthy email to the buffer about this, like some sort of aggrieved listener might, yeah. and, <laughs> and like, I got a little lecture I suppose, in my, in my email. That's like, how your emails all are, though. Yeah, so. and I don't expect to be able to change anyone's mind. Like, I don't, I'm not that, this isn't 2009 on Facebook, where I'm engaging in good faith and hoping to get a good faith response. Like, it's none of that. Like, I like, and, and like, is, is that just where we are? Is it just that we can expect that there's no amount of discussion about these sorts of things where because everything, and now, now, like I said, we're not talking about this in any specific sort of way, but because Everything has a partisan valence when you're in a culture war, right? Yeah. When everything is everything and that you can point to any institution or any conversation about any particular subject and say that, that here we have the, the right side and here we have the wrong side. Or uh, that's probably the wrong framing of it. But here we have the side that uh, uh, my tribe is on and here we have the side that this other tribe is on. And every single conceivable issue has been split tribally in that way. Then there's no point in having any of the conversation at, at all any longer, right? right? Yeah, I, I think it, it it feels that way. But I, I do wonder if you kind of maybe after a while, or if, if it's presented in a, you know, I'm not trying to talk you off of some position that you had, but can you at least consider the possibility that this is true? Because like with these accusations, I think the the uh, plausible deniability is what uh, a lot of people will hang on to. It was like, well, there's no evidence, and the criminal court said that there's no case, which is not what they're saying. They're saying they, there's not any evidence to make the case, right? They're not saying it didn't happen, right? And so, like, I think if you just kind of continue to talk through it, find a different way to do it, maybe it'll change some minds. But yeah, most people are just going to stay the course. And no, it would take his girlfriend being assaulted right. by Deshaun Watson. Like, right. that's yeah. what it would take for these people. Right. Sometimes, it, yeah, it's like, oh, this person's outside my circle of whatever. So they are all bad-intentioned people, but people that I know are they mean well, yeah. and uh, they didn't deserve that. You know, I don't know. I mean, hopefully you don't – it shouldn't take <laughs> – that many more victims for people to start believing things but like no but that's what that's what it will be like until people are like the same thing happened with covid like yeah nothing is real nothing is real it's all pretend until their wife dies right oh now it's yeah you and bizarrely get vaccinated. yeah bizarrely that people still deny even those things like i mean in extreme cases you'll sometimes yeah. read about people denying like take that off the death certificate like they died of some other reason and not COVID. yeah but yeah. you know yeah. It doesn't always work, right? But they it, get no, you're people right. just are not. They 
don't care unless it directly affects them. Right, but so how much of this is how much of that is because of the way that things are framed either naturally or or by some sort of design because of the way that media works in terms of getting people to pay attention, right? In terms of hogging our attention where how much of it is about the way that the issue is framed and I in a in a, in a weird way it reminds me of a case that was argued before the Supreme Court just this afternoon or this morning, which is that there's another Colorado gay rights thing going on. Oh, yeah? Did, is it the, yeah. A, so, a cake uh, version of it? Right. You'll website. Re- you'll recall Masterpiece Cake Shop from 2017, I think, 2018 maybe. Is that right? Was it all the way back then? It was that. a few years ago. I thought ago. it was pre-Trump. It was a few years ago. Uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado didn't want to bake cakes for gay weddings. Uh, And in fact, there was an aggrieved gay couple who was refused a cake. And so we had a a definite, not a hypothetical, but we had an actual case in front of us. And that got sort of found in favor of the cake shop, but not exactly on the merits of the law. It was essentially kicked back down to Colorado by a seven to two vote that included Kagan and somebody else on the on the liberal side of things because people along the way in Colorado had expressed uh, anti-religious bias in their application of this policy, right? So that was, it wasn't exactly deciding on the, on the strict legal reality of the Colorado law. Instead, it was about the unfortunate reality of the way that it was enforced by these particular people. So now we had the reason that we're talking about it again is that a few years later, conservative lawyers basically in a workshop created a hypothetical, uh, for a, a a person who did website design for weddings, this despite the fact that prior to becoming the poster child for this case, she'd never apparently actually sold any website designs for any weddings. Oh wow! Right. So it's so this is this is a purely hypothetical case that she believe like, and the reason that they say that she has standing is because if she discriminated against a gay couple by saying, I won't do the website design for your gay wedding, then she would be put out of business by this Colorado policy. So she's claiming standing for an action that she had not taken yet because she believes that Colorado was going to compel speech out of her in a way that violated her First Amendment rights to protect her own First Amendment speech and also in terms of uh, an infringement of her religious beliefs. Are, uh, I'm I'm surprised that they're taking this approach. They're they're not uh, concerned that because of this flimsy standing that all this effort will go to waste. I always thought that they— Well, the standing is not an issue because the Supreme Court decided to hear the fucking case. So the answer is no, they're not concerned about the flimsy standing. They were in the right all along. But I would have been concerned if I was in that group like, hey, what the fuck? We're doing all this. But maybe the the all this is not that much heavy lifting. It's just like let's give it a shot and let's see what happens. You know, I'm not a lawyer, uh, full disclosure, but this question, and and I guess hopefully they do address it because that's the idea to see, like, let's stress test to see how this applies. Because to me, the way that I see this, the question is basically not the website or the cake or whatever, or like, is this 
uh, is gay marriage like a protected class kind of thing? Did it fall under that? Because it doesn't matter what your religion is. You couldn't say, I'm not making a website for these two black married couples, you, you know, opposite sex. Like, it's not even like a gay thing. Just like, I don't do the black thing, right? Like, that would not be because it's a protected class race. But like, have they addressed that? Because if, if it's not a protected class, then it's just up to the person to decide what services they want to give out to people, especially when it's a, a specialized service. You know, if it were just like, I just sell toilet paper, like who cares what the person is, right? But if it's a cake, that's a specialized thing. I can kind of see like, I don't want to write, like, I don't know, whatever. In a website, maybe a similar concept as to the cake, but like the question, the fundamental question to me as a non-lawyer is that does, is gay marriage, does it have the, is it afforded the same protection as other things, just like what is it? The miscegenation, the the different races being able to marry each other. Like if somebody said, right. "I'm not gonna have a website because one person is Latino and the other person is white," or whatever the combination. Right, and do you or or and and to get it away from these like what I don't like about this particular one is that like it's just a fucking website, right? Right. So like and and in an odd sort of way, apparently, if the person who's at the center of this designed wedding website templates that explicitly said i don't care for gays and i'm not i'm all for good holy weddings that don't involve a man and a man but only involve a man and a woman and that was on the template yeah. then they couldn't get mad at her apparently because she's willing to sell that template to gay people for their gay wedding in this just as happily as she would sell like and that would be protected right, speech right but what if so so like overt awful discrimination where as long as you're not hanging a, a sign in the door that says we don't uh, do wedding design for gay people, right? As but if every of your wedding dress designs said uh, uh, "fags burn in hell," right? right? Like that would be yeah. that would be protected speech. Right. But you can't put up a sign in your front window that says, "As a Mormon or as a as a Catholic, I don't do." dress design for lesbian weddings right. right like that's that's not acceptable and that's where the like it's just a total absurdity to me right right like living in a pluralistic society it would be better if people were permitted to n not engage in commerce with things that they have sincere religious beliefs about rather than having to be awful human beings right right, right. In, or, in order to drive away business is 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 this not uh an argument they're going to consider that there are other websites there are other cake shops right so like can a society absorb a little nonsense just to move along because you it's not like this is the only person who can make a web design webs whatever right like so like the issue is like would they consider that right? But on the other side of the hypothetical, what does that open us up to? Right. right, which is like, does that open us up to somebody who wants to run a lunch counter that because of their specific religious beliefs they don't want gay people in their establishment, even if none of the activity that they're doing in the establishment reveals any of their gayness? Right, right? but that's, that, like that, that goes to again. I'm, I'm making up the terminology, but I always distinguish like generalized services and specialized services. Like if you're just offering, right. like if people are eating hot dogs somewhere like who cares their orientation or what they're going to do with a hot dog afterwards or whatever right uh that was a bad choice by the way i should have said some other food uh, but but like it seems to me like the question is something else like you know it already today 
there's plenty of places where because they don't uh, like the political speech, if somebody came at a Publix and they said, happy birthday, you know, Todd, right? And then hashtag FJB, right? Which is clearly like a uh, like a political statement, right? And somebody's like, ah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the hashtag, right? I'm doing the other stuff. Right. And then they make a big show of it. Like, is that political speech? And then it becomes this other thing. So like with the website, it's like, what is the actual core argument that they're going to make? Is that... Is it because it's yeah, a website? I mean, more specific to my life, like, let's say I did wedding hair, right? Yeah. Like, could I do some gay person's hair all the time, but then for their wedding, yeah. say like, oh, I'm not doing their hair right. for their wedding. Right. I'll, because yeah, I'd be condoning gay. the gay wedding thing. I, I like you as a gay person, but I am against the gay wedding. Like, what's... Like, I, I don't know. It wouldn't. That's the other thing is that it would never occur to someone to force. I mean, presumably anyway, it wouldn't occur to someone to try to force a Catholic priest to perform a gay wedding under the threat of that person, like the where the you sue the priest because he failed to perform a gay wedding and discriminated against you, right? Like no one. It, it just wouldn't happen. Right. That that would that that like presumably any I mean I, in the fever dreams of of arch conservatives it happens all the fucking time right. right which is that if we if we allow this to happen then all of a sudden we're going to be forcing our Catholic priests to perform plural marriages uh, with with a bunch of homosexuals right. right? It's never going. It's never going to happen. But this this creep of things, where we uh, the, the 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 culture sort of spreads out, and now all of a sudden people feel like uh, because I do invitation design, and I, I don't want to sell invitations to uh, Steve and Bill's wedding, but I want to sell them to Steve and 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 you know whatever. I don't know. Right, but, but to me, seems like, like the to me it it, it suggests that, that they're going through this. Uh, oh, I can. There, there's possible harm. There, the website thing is not the end game. Basically, they're trying to see what we can get away with here and then further expand, make make a right. different case the, down the, the road. What, what makes me crazy about it a little bit is that it is the suggestion that somehow this is just what the right is doing in terms of the culture war rather than suggesting that the left is also interested in how far can we push this on the other end, right? right. Because if what you're going to say is all of your activity in public – if you're going to make a public accommodation or if you're, you're going to take part in, in the economy in a, in a public-facing way, then you have to accept that the, the terms of that are a full acceptance of all of the cultural mores that we've decided are correct, right? right. Because it was not that long ago that that absurdity that I said about um, forcing a Catholic priest to perform a gay wedding is, is unthinkable, that that was just how 70 to 80 percent of Americans felt about gay marriage, period. Right. Not Catholic priests, just the entire culture, right? right? So we've had this radical sea change in just the last couple of generations on this question. And to suggest that only the right is fighting the culture war here is to miss a, a big part of the conversation, I think. And and uh, crucially, the, and again, the only reason that I even brought this up is because I think that it is just entirely the wrong conversation to be having. Like, it is a completely unproductive conversation yeah. to have well, about a true. hypothetical website design out of somebody who's never actually done this before. So, like, I, I, I almost don't even see the point of it. I don't understand why someone who's a homosexual who's trying to marry uh, another homosexual would ever bother like i understand like yeah you want to 
be accepted in the in the wider culture. Like you don't want to have to worry about the fact that when you go uh, to the Marriott or whatever and you go to check in, that some creep behind the desk is going to tell you, no, we don't serve your kind here because Bill and Steve can't get a single queen bed, right? Like uh, that's not the sort of thing that you want to run into out there in the world. But again, the, the fact that you keep bringing this up in terms of the specific nature of these services and the fact that there are any number of other services available to them, like I, I just don't know why it's a fight that's worth having well, for anyone. Because because you don't know when it's if it's a, specifically if it's a website. If I'm looking online at different envelope designers or whatever website designers and I see someone's work and I like it, I want to be able to say, hey, right. can you make the website for our wedding? Right. And I don't want to suggest that like what we need is a the, the green book for right. website wedding designers, right. right? That where the gays just know which places are accommodating to them and which places are not. And in a perfect world, like somebody who, who says I only do straight wedding designs would go out of business. Right. right? Like right. It, that, that that anybody with a, a shred of human decency would then decide not to do business with them because they're being an intolerant they piece of shit. Know. Right. And, and also Right, that's the thing. But but now like I guess the the trend line is that basically people are self sorting in their neighborhoods and communities. There's there's no one within I don't know a twenty mile radius of where I am right now where a business could survive with that sort of attitude. But if you go to like Kennesaw, Georgia, like way outside of Metro Atlanta, then you'll have a, a, a similar situation the other way. Like you'll have places that maybe would be less comfortable. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm stereotyping, but. In real life, this sort of thing would not actually come to fruition. But the reason why it's being pushed is so that you can have a precedent, you have a court case, and to embolden other situations where it's not as insignificant, where it's not a website. And crucially, because you have huge money-making and money-raising organizations on either side that exist purely to stoke precisely this sort of conflict, right? right? So in in the absence, in the vacuum of this sort of conflict, a conservative legal outfit came out and invented it, yes. right? And and took this hypothetical all the way to the Supreme and Court. It's, and it's that's really not acceptable. The Supreme Court's fault, at least the four who said yeah. we'll hear it. Unless now is there any situation where or any scenario where they called it up so they can strike it down like in Absolutely not. one no. kind of thing with uh, Clarence. This is going at at absolute best. This is going five four, and in all likelihood, this is a this is a purely six three decision. Because it's going to uh, create chaos if you don't summer. have a narrow ruling. Because this is not right. about a so website. In other words, this the is not best about a possible website. scenario. Yeah. Is that it's six three, and that Roberts doesn't hand it off to Gorsuch to write something like really, really wide in terms of uh, its its implications going forward. Because, yeah, you would think that it would allow for sort of the re-entry of some un- unfortunate whatever. Yeah, because I, I, I'm it, thinking- it really, it does go back to my clients that I'm fine with as long as they're not marrying people of the same gender. And like, because then I have to be able to say, oh, yeah, I don't do gay people's hair. Right. Ever? Yeah. Like, you can't do that. If, if, yeah. if there is a narrow uh, ruling, you know, 5463, whatever, uh, allowing this, it would I, I would imagine, again, not a lawyer, it would be one of those conditional things. Like, you, there must be some tests that must be met, like they're uh, – 
is no undue hardship on somebody. As if there's a competing company that also can do the services, then let the person with the religious whatever go on about their life. Like there's no need to make them do something that anyone else within you know a stone's throw away could also do like why are you bothering this group let somebody else do it for you there'll be some sort of weird cockamamie thing uh if they rule in that way all right today in our bogus future just oh, very i know just i know very quickly here it's just uh i'm gonna read one quote it's from a, an editorial at the hill i'll make sure the link is in the show notes as with anything else that we talked about tonight there will be a link in the show note at brainiron.com or castironbrains.com uh this is headlined, Why Your Privacy Shouldn't Be So Private. It's by someone called Orly Lobel, an opinion contributor at The Hill. I'll just read one quote here. In a social liberal regime, we can envision flipping the script from surveillance capitalism to surveillance liberalism. We can start imagining how, under the conditions of democratic trust, millions of surveillance cameras can become a watchful ant rather than the proverbial big brother. <laughs> what? Uh, it sounds this, lovely. I'm into this it. This is a person who wants to rebrand uh, the surveillance state that we've uh, colloquially known as Big Brother as a watchful aunt rather than <laughs> rather than the I Big like Brother eye in the sky. There'll be uh, commentary coming out of the cameras, like uh, chiding you and whatnot. Is that what no. future this person We should advocate this? for surveillance liberalism in every aspect of our lives. This is a... Uh, this is a bad person with bad no, ideas. No, this will solve a lot of problems. It might create some new ones. It's fine. Yeah. They, there right. will be less crime, I promise. They need to upgrade the, the, the camera, first of all, because still to this day, we're about to hit 23. There's always these goofy, hard-to-see video, and yep. it's like, what? What? You can't... Yep, upgrade the cameras. Yeah. But you know what? If you had more of them... Yeah. They wouldn't need to be better because they would never be that far away. Abe, almost for as long as I've known you, you have advocated for the Infinity Beast phone, <laughs> I believe, was the moniker that you had for it back in like oh, 2007. That sounds familiar. What was it? So it was a stupid idea. Now that, I, now that I've... Uh, a stupid idea? You talk great. about... You talk as recently, I swear, as this past like six months I've heard you talk about this. But go ahead. So... The thinking was, you know, the two things that I saw at fault with phones is uh, weak batteries. So the infinity, uh, yeah. the, the, the beast is the battery. And the infinity was like okay. this infinity screen looking thing. And then some company made an infinity screen where basically it gives the illusion that the screen goes all the way to the edge. And mm -hmm. I used it once and I was like, oh, this is cumbersome because it's like right at the edge. And yeah. <laughs> so I, you know. Everybody's wrong every now and again. I'm able to walk back to the infinity screen portion. The battery okay. lasting this, forever, I'm still on. This idea of yours, though, evolved over the years. Yes. And it, uh, as recently as this past year, I think I've heard you talk about this idea where the, the camera detaches yes. from the phone and like floats around you okay. or something like, like that. It. Yeah, right? it was like a there was a drone component to it. Basically, it would just be like this weird gadget. That we're not there right. yet. Okay. Maybe the next ten years. Amazon Amazon came out with that like in the last year. Oh, this, that pixie uh, this or whatever it was called. That goofy. It, it follows you around the house yeah. and and like it can take off and land uh, within your house. Like it's a drone that goes around your house with a fucking camera. Uh, and I'll have you know, it didn't. It didn't make a big splash. Right, no, here no, in no, the no, no. You can't ask the people to allow the Big Brother into your house. You just have to do it. Right. 
And also the problem. You just have to do it. And everyone will whine about it just like they whine about everything. And then they'll get used to it and there will be less crime. And it'll be like the commercial where they're like, can I see the instant replay on that? And I'll fucking show you (laughs) what you just told me. That would not be a good feature for me because like all the stuff that people tell me, it's like, I don't remember that. And it's all true. Bring the replay by the way th- those commercials the challenge flag commercials are 100 percent a cia op oh designed <laughs> designed to get us ready for the fact that literally every aspect of our lives are already being recorded and uh and <laughs> what they they used to do when they made you president is they took you into the room and they they showed you the <laughs> the secret kennedy tapes yeah. where look uh, I know that you think that you're in charge here. The reality is someone else is in charge. So get in line here, buddy. Yeah. In the in the future, everyone is going to get that knock on the door. And it's like, it's just going to be, they're going to hand you a USB thumb drive and you're going to put it in your computer and it's going to be the last 72 hours of your life. I love Every it. Fucking second of it, right. and at the end of the seventy-two-hour video of the every single recorded thought, basically that you've had, it's just going to say, uh, "Your move, asshole." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like, like I'm no, drug proof. It's great. It would solve every fight you and I have ever had. We would just be able to see exactly how you spoke to me just there. We would how be able you? to. Well, we would. We would never lose anything. We could just go back to the last time we remember having that thing. What? I still can't find my notebook that I lost a week ago. The only it way disappeared. I will okay. The only way that I will accede to our bogus future in this way is with the further. And I've I've had this thought before, and it, and it probably springs from something I've heard Dan Savage say a bunch of times, which is that like everybody's got nudes, right? Like, because when people talk about being being able to bribe... I don't think I have any. Being able to bribe other human beings with your nudes, like, it's it's a less... It will be a less sort of powerful thing in the future because we now have a whole generation of mm-hmm. idiot children mm-hmm. who've grown up with a, a phone in their hands. To be fair, yeah, so like, we didn't have they, phones they in send, our hands growing up, so it's a different world. Right, right, but... The the point is is that if it's it's a big deal when like five people are naked on the internet, it is a much less big deal when five billion people right. are naked on the internet. So the only way that I accede to this regime is that it has to be done like we just have to go from living these private lives that are being spied upon by all of these corporations and governments, and instead we just accept the 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 documentary from 25 years ago we live in public right yeah. like we just live in public and everything that we do is 1000% public and completely online and and like the idea that you can shame or or hide from anything or anyone is is a thing of the past and if that's the that's the world that we're in for yeah then, uh, like, I will accede to it, right. but that's a fucking nightmare. Like a, I don't yeah, know why no, anybody wants to fine. live that way. It won't be a nightmare because most of the time you're just going to go back and watch what you're doing anyway, just like everybody else. So don't worry about I, it. It'll be good. I don't have uh, – Cameras every 10 feet. I don't have this technology, but I could have swore that there was a Black Mirror episode, like, History of you, or something like that, and yep. things I guess uh, spiraled out of control. I forget yep, how and it all ends, they do is watch their videos of their y- own life. Yeah, it just kind of like didn't work in that setting. But you know, Black Mirror is very biased. It's never positive Black future Mirror stuff. Gets it wrong yeah. every time. Yeah, it's never positive future stuff. 
You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com for a show note. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by the great Mark Gillig. Head over to T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com, tetramermusic.com for more of his wonderful rock and roll stuff. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I did not. After watching like four movies over the past few weeks, I watched nothing. Uh, so, yeah. Um, did anything I, come out of note? I feel there like there's some the, movie. Some like Home Alone Christmas thing, but for adults, uh, the guy from... Oh, like Bad Stranger Evil Santa thing. or something yeah. like that? David Harbour and something. There's I'm watching a, that this week. It's like a crime Santa movie. Yeah, Violent, Violent, Violent Night. Violent, Violent Night. Night. Violent, Violent Night. Night. That's, yeah. So I'm watching that this week. Cool. Did you? I guess you had birthday and sports, so you didn't. Yeah, didn't, didn't indulge yeah. any culture besides White Lotus, presumably. I want to point people to two things that I read. Uh, there'll be links in the show note. We don't have to talk about them here. It's not the reading segment of the show. In part, it's supposed to be, and with my more intentional consumption, hopefully, of media, I want to make uh, take an opportunity here to direct people to things that I've been reading. I'll have a link to this. Uh, website. It is called mereorthodoxy.com. The headline of the piece is Tolkien was right. Notes on the respect for marriage act and the post boomer church. It is a lengthy blog about the debate between J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, two of the 20th century's uh, more prolific nerds, uh, Christian fantasists. Uh, the, the author of Lord of the Rings and also the Chronicles of Narnia, both of whom were uh, Christian apologists. C.S. Lewis took a more expansive view uh, in terms of integrating his personal religious morality in with the general public in terms of uh, just sort of wanting to be more permissive about uh, general morality as a way of sort of accepting more people, the wider public, into okay. His belief structure, whereas Tolkien was much more of a Catholic, uh, just much more committed to hard and fast rules and not giving an inch on any of these these moral strictures and dogmatisms that come down from the church because he believed that if you give an inch on the teaching, the moral teachings of the church, then uh, what is it exactly that you're standing for? Right. And as usual, the true believer... Uh, in Tolkien is much more persuasive in terms of uh, logical consistency, but much less persuasive in terms of practical applicability to living in the world. And he, the the writer of this piece, who I have no idea why this showed up in my Google News feed, uh, but I clicked it and I read it. Uh, but he talks about basically uh, the David Frenches of the world. And how uh, David French is more interested in striking a more neutral tone, a more permissive tone about Christian morality and how we can make the world a better place. And and other people are much more interested in establishing uh, more do dogmatic rules. And I, I enjoyed the piece. I think it's worth reading, and I'll make sure that the, the link is in the show notes. This is uh, a slight aside, but does it make one a bad person uh, to— to not be for so many people getting into heaven because I, I never understood the like a, like broadening it to where everybody's getting in. I don't know how heaven works, but like is everyone going to be getting in? I've seen a lot of people undesirable types 
who seem that they're right. going to get in well, heaven. That's, that's why South Park had it figured out many, many, many years ago. Which only the Mormons, Mormons go only, to yes. heaven. <laughs> Everybody else goes to hell. The correct religion was Mormon. <laughs> where, where am I? Where are we? Oh my God, what's happening? Hello, newcomers, and welcome. Can everybody hear me? Hello? Can everybody? Okay. Uh, I am the hell director. Uh, it looks like we have about 8,615 of you newbies today. And for those of you who were a little confused, uh, you are dead, and this is hell. So abandon all hope, and uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're now going to start the orientation process, which will last about... Hey, wait a minute. I shouldn't be here. I was a totally strict and devout Protestant. I thought we went to heaven. Yes, well, I'm afraid you were wrong. I was a practicing Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you picked the wrong religion as well. Well, who was right? Who gets into heaven? I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. <laughs> so now I'd like to quickly introduce uh, a new ruler. All right, and, and then beside that, I want to point people to what's called a monk debate, M-U-N-K. Again, I'll make sure the link is in the show note. Uh, Matt Taibbi and Douglas K. Murray, who's a... a British fella who's done a lot of writing that I've read uh, debated on the the side of you cannot trust the mainstream media and they went up against people who were against that proposition uh, which was Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times and the evolutionary psychologist I think is uh, what his deal is not Steven Pinker. Malcolm Gladwell. He's not an evolutionary psychologist. He's just sort of like a pop psychologist, I guess. The 10,000 hours guy, right? Right, 10,000 hours guy. And it's an hour and a half video that you can watch online or you can find a transcript. If I can find a transcript of it, I'll post that too. Not that any of you psychotics out there want to read that necessarily. Uh, the long and the short of it is that uh, Taibbi and Murray win, uh, and it's not terribly close because I think it's – I mean, first of all, there's the fact that a third, only a, like very, very few people, uh, in fact, trust the mainstream media as it is. And so it's sort of a hard sell. Also, it's such a uh, meaningless term these days. To do what? Trust them to do what? Just trust them in general, that you oh. should just believe them when they say things. But uh, pick which somebody. Is, it's such a, I don't know, let that, it's such a silly thing. This mean, like, who the fuck are you talking about? Like, which specific outlet? Like, and it's stop a debate club nerd right, right. subject. But you just, you can. I think it's pretty easy to define what the mainstream media is, which is the New York Times and the Washington yeah, Post but they and CNN. Do very good work. Yeah, you know? Most of the time, well, it's not to trust. They do a lot of good work. They have a Calm lot of resources. Nobody, no one is saying, and and Murray makes this point over and over again. No one is saying don't read the mainstream media. Just that you should engage with it and recognize. Uh, what's going on here, which is that they're not always necessarily the, – the, the truth of the matter is not always the primary concern of the story that you're reading and that you need to build your truth out of what you consume there, not necessarily derive it entirely from Not what entirely, you but all other outlets are not doing sure. a better I would, job. I would yeah. just – I would encourage you to, to watch the debate okay. if only because they Gladwell and – Goldberg fall flat on their fucking faces trying to defend the mainstream media, and it is very funny to watch it happen. Malcolm Gladwell spends the entire time talking about how Matt Taibbi is a racist who just pines yeah, for the see, good old days. That is stupid. I don't know why anybody would fall for that sort of thing. Some... Nobody did. Nobody, don't worry. Okay. He comes off looking like a fool, uh, and it's actually like – it's dispiriting in a way because I've like, and it's, and it's another one of those things where like, 
I've enjoyed Malcolm Gladwell in in small doses before, right? Like I think that his podcast is interesting at times. I've read articles that have made me think, but I've never like come to some and and like there's something about the fact that people need to come to firm judgments on people and like yes. putting him in this putting him in this scenario where he goes up against Taibi and then just for an hour and a half just plays the race card over and over again apropos of nothing yeah. like out of out of absolutely nowhere he's insisting that that Taibi is a a secret white supremacist and it's like what are you doing man like you're so fully invested in your team that you've taken the worst bad faith arguments against what you perceive as the other side and adopted them unthinkingly and now it's made me think like oh wow this guy's just a fucking idiot right like i've apparently misinterpreted everything that i've ever heard malcolm gladwell say for the last 15 years right anyway uh Check that out. And what did we watch? Football and White Lotus and Baking Show. What did we watch? We did not watch the Baking Show. No. <laughs> oh, we watched football on Friday night. We watched football on we Saturday just, night. I think we just watched a lot of football. and White Lotus. Yeah. yeah. And even that White Lotus weird was good. Foreign football so too. Fucking good. Yeah, uh, the White Lotus. Got, Bob yeah. gets very uncomfortable watching White Lotus. He fidgets the whole time. You know, it's funny. He cannot sit still and relax. He's very uncomfortable while watching White Lotus. I don't know how anybody relaxes watching that show. I don't know. I'm usually uh, fine watching the show. This latest episode, I found myself standing up on a few occasions. I don't know why. Like, oh my god! Like, what is going to happen? Like, it just it was very like it's very exciting. It was like the Bob, whole like, drug can't scene. I was like, Who's, this yeah. cheating on each other stuff. Right. But I think yeah. it was the well, way that the season opened with the death. So I was just like, wait, who are they offing? Like, it just felt like something's going to happen. There's only one more episode. And I was just standing up. And spoilers here if you haven't seen the episode. We are on the same page that Tanya is getting entrapped somehow, right? So, by this. Right. By all accounts. And it seemed like from a drug-induced haze, like was she looking at a younger husband of hers and a younger Yes. So th- this was something that I, I did not spoil for Lori, but a few episodes or two episodes ago when – the old queen who she's she's been hanging out with on his yacht and at his palazzo says that he once fell in love with an unavailable straight american cowboy and he never stopped loving him that was greg like i think right. it's i think it's clear that the story that he was telling was about greg so somehow her husband is involved in trying to get her either i mean the implication i think is that we can expect her to die? No. And that presumably... Well, I guess that's possible. But my thinking is that this is uh, a video recording of her infidelity. And she's it's definitely being, undo she's definitely her, being recorded. Yeah, her they also dropped the gun in there and the skeezy drug dealer to suggest that perhaps she's in mortal danger. And also they they trucked the the assistant off. Right, uh, to isolate yeah, her away. Got, they got her... Well, because, yeah, she never would have been in that position if Portia had been there. Right. I guess. And I also, don't think anybody... If you, if you go back to the earlier episodes when Greg was uh, very, like, uh, unhappy about the assistant being there, basically it seemed like if you... If the theory yeah. holds that this is all a setup, like, she was... You know, the, the wife was invited to this place. Uh, 
he's there already beforehand. These random guys right. are like just looking at her at dinner one night and they strike up a conversation. They're drawing right. so her she's, in. She's 100% being set up. Well, per- and she had that dream in the beginning, in like the first episode. She was like, I had a dream that there were all these men with funny haircuts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She yeah. had a, I mean, which is, you know, just weird. And that, that, that she did have that dream. That fortune teller was saying, oh, bad. Bad stuff coming your way. Right. Bad juju coming your way. And obviously that's true. My question is, Tanya has been sort of the heroine of the show. She's been awful in in her way. But do we think that she's going to be sharp and and figure things out? Or is she only going to be victimized here? And is she in big trouble? So it seems like the theme, if the first season is to be told, like if you are rich, you are... uh, you're above any sort of consequence. So it seems like she's going to be fine. I think the poor people, like one of the prostitutes or whatever, uh, uh, is going to die. I don't think she will die. And I think I read somewhere uh, that the idea is for for her to be on all this white lotuses. So long as they keep making them, is mm-hmm. to have her character just be there. I would be I would be fine if they switched to another of the characters and yeah, then follow like, them to the next yeah, hotel. Yeah, sort of leapfrog yeah. itself. I read or was talking to someone today that if there there could be some sort of grifter theme to this season yes. with like yeah. well but like the the Daphne and her husband like they don't actually have any money right cuz you would and think if money was no issue rich dude, yeah. these rich gay dudes don't actually have right. any money and, and it, like everyone's just trying to sort of Sort of through osmosis, get other people's money. Also, I think is that, it, uh, I think that Daphne and the husband do have money. I think that they. Why can't just, he pay the prostitutes? I, I think they, they lost their money. I'm thinking Lori is probably right that they they were of means that and wasn't something my happened. Original thought uh, at all. And and on that same thread, uh, the Lucia or whatever the the the, the lady uh, the sex worker, uh, this whole thing seemed like a contrivance. Like, oh, this guy's. A danger to me, but it's not your problem. It's, I, it seemed like she's setting right. up the young guy. There's no to scenario pay. in which Albie yeah. isn't being had right. here in some way, right? right? Because and there's almost also no scenario in which his dad doesn't bail him out. Yes, I think. The whole, and, is, and, 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 and maybe the 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 reason why she came for as a translator, that whole thing. Oh, they're following me. Like there was a scene before they left when. Uh, Christopher was like, "What the fuck? Why are you bringing her?" Uh, and uh, Lucy—I forget the name—the the, the woman, uh, yeah, Lucia. Yeah, Lucia. Yeah. Uh, she leaves and talks to the bellboy for something. So, so mm-hmm. maybe she was like, "Hey, tell that—I don't know—the friend of mine to right. play it up and meet us at this location so that he can show this force." And that way, she looks like her life is in peril. And this very nice guy is like, "Dad, can you throw some money at this so that?" She doesn't die before we leave, you know, and she'll right. make some money. So it seems like there's a lot of schemes afoot. There's schemes. I, I'll i go on the record and say I don't think that skeezy white guy and Daphne are in experiencing any sort of money trouble. I think that if that was the case, we would have seen a different approach. Yes. Than, than the approach his friend that has he's all taken the money. so yeah, far so he, this week. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm welcome to be proven wrong. Like, I, why can't he pay the prostitutes? It's thirteen hundred dollars. Because he doesn't think about it being important. He thinks it's uh, it's just thirteen hundred dollars for some fucking hooker. Right, it and, and he probably thinks I paid him enough because, like, you know, I was like, oh, I gave you like half of it or whatever. Leave me alone. Like, maybe right. it's that because at this point there really isn't an opportunity for that story to unfold. Right? 
in the very last episode. There's not going to be and enough this time. Is a, this is a person who who uses his position to not have to deal with consequences, right? That that is the that is the character, right? And I think that he will face some degree of consequences, at least personal. I don't anticipate him being dead. I think he and the Asian fella get into a big fight, certainly, but. I don't. I don't think he's going to be dead. The best part of the, uh, the well, the one scene that I did like is that uh, you know this. The, the, there was a similar thing. It was worse in the first season where the manager who has you know authority over a underling yeah. he had well, like I don't know doing something to his butt. Uh, and this season it seemed like they were <laughs> trending in that direction with with the women. Uh, and thankfully she was uh, quickly like, oh, by the way, the guy you uh, sent off, uh, we're engaged to be married, and that nipped that in the butt. Like there was no like awkward coming on to manager employee. Right. It's um, not not like Armand got nipped in the butt, yeah. but yeah. but <laughs> d- differently. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you, uh, you got anything else for us tonight? Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. file stuff from no although uh i will this week i I did not but the reaction seems to be a little weird they're like oh you're you know carrying water for blah 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 doing pr for the richest man in the world right right? what a what a fall from grace it's it's completely fucking disgusting and it's kirstie alley's dead from cheers yeah oh boy and other things i'm sure really oh See, Jimmy Carter. Dying. Jimmy Carter lives. Everybody's dying. Maybe this is my fault. Kirstie I take it Alley back. You know, I is dead. <laughs> came after Jimmy Carter, and everybody else is dying. Oh, that sucks. It does it. Yeah. Usually around uh, these uh, December months, I start watching the uh, the Cheers. Although I, I don't like her seasons as much, but like I'll watch them. She was seventy one. Wow, older than I would have guessed. I would have pegged her as like right at my parents' age. Anyway, the Twitter files thing. I think that it was unfortunate that it came out in the form that it did and like elon very clearly dictated like you have to do this as a twitter thread on twitter or else i will give it to someone else oh i see yeah which like that's not the sort of conditions that you want good journalists to accede to probably but but. that's not a small concession would that be a uh, deal breaker for you if you're one of these types well no not for me certainly uh no like if you're like a matt taibbi like would would that could i it's like, okay, that's fine. So if Uh-oh. I'm if I'm Taibi, while I certainly appreciate the opportunity, I would have really encouraged Musk to give it to a legacy outfit because I sincerely think that even if you give it to like Michael Powell at the New York Times or something like right. that, right? Like a guy who will indeed also be similarly dismissed as uh, doing PR for the richest guy in the world because he's written about things that the the mob sort of is reflexively against at least you're in the in the institution right at least you're sort of coming from inside the house and i think that would have helped and i don't think that this sort of firing off a long series of of basically live tweeting your way through this thing was the right approach but i don't know it's fine i assume Uh, musk musk probably couldn't have been moved from that position either so it wouldn't matter it's fine if uh this uh spoils anything but did anything of news value come out of the the first a batch of, of Twitter files? In terms of giving you a new understanding of the situation, almost certainly not. I think it has value in that it brings up a story that has not yet been thoroughly dealt with in the mainstream media, right? And it, it gives new life to a story that 
I think that Twitter and the rest of the media need to come to terms with in an honest way that they have not yet dealt with in an honest way. Well, it seems and like, the, yeah. The reaction of the legacy media and... and Cast iron brains. They're not going to win a fucking Pulitzer from this.